together. How awesome was that worship? Wasn't that amazing? I mean, come on. Do we have like the best worship team on the globe or what? Amen. I mean, I think that maybe we don't realize how blessed we are sometimes. Familiarity can breed dishonor sometimes and we get too comfortable and but man, we have, I'm so glad that Chris and Carly decided to move here and uh, listen to the Lord. We paid a bunch of people. We didn't know prophets to prophesy to them and stuff. They didn't know that, but no, we didn't. I'm just kidding. <laughs> we staged the whole thing. <laughs> oh, can you imagine if someone actually did that? Man, I'm just so blessed though. I mean, what else is there when you're in a, a place like that? That's why we love taking time. Um, and just know, and most of you that have been coming to the church for a while know my heart. There's nothing like just resting in his love and resting in his presence. That's really the source and the root of, of what God is doing in our midst. It comes from a place of posturing our hearts with true worship and the song of the Lord and what God is saying and, and the harp and bowl, uh, you know, just praying and prophesying together and worship and prayer together. Amen. It's so good. So, so good. So this morning, I want to, I want to continue to talk about God restoring the song to our life. What is your song? And last week we kind of talked about your individual song, what you were created to do and the Lord restoring some things to you, your identity, your strength and your freedom. But today I want to talk about the song that we have as a family. And, and it's, it's important. We understand our individual song and we sing our song and not someone else's song. And we, we understand our identity based upon the fact that we are significant under the gaze of the Father. And we don't, we don't identify our significance with our gifts and our abilities. This is so important that we get this as a church. And I want to uh, talk about it because God is doing something now. And I, I love Wendell McGowan. He's like, this is a new day. And he keeps prophesying about what God is reforming. And it just stirs in me because it excites me. I believe as a church, we are stepping into a new day. It is a new day. And this is an hour where God is going to change I love what Mike Bickle said many decades ago. He says, the face of Christianity will be changed in a generation. And I believe that it's taking place right now. And I believe that we are beginning to see what family, heavenly family and community looks like. And, and the church uh, that has been done in the past that we've learned and we're, we're unlearning, amen. In a lot of ways, I think that, that God is forming a new wineskin and and I believe that he wants us as a body to release a song of agreement, a symphony. And it won't take place if we're identifying with just what we don't have or, or identifying with our gifts and our abilities alone. And we talked about the story of Hannah when um, she wanted a child and she was, you know, she was mourning in the temple and Eli blessed her and she was taunted by uh, the other wife who, who's basically saying, you know, look at, you don't have any children and look at all the kids I have. And isn't it just like the voice of envy and the enemy uh, in, in our relationships sometimes to make us feel inadequate. And I believe it's, it's key that we get that the symphony that God is wanting, it is not, we're not called to be solo artists. We're called to a symphony. Now, I believe that there are distinct sounds as leaders. And, but what I'm talking about is I'm praying that we would just, we would just stop for a minute and look at uh, the entertainment model that is so, uh, so, so much a part of the way we do church today. 
And, and it, it has to be torn down. You know, the entertainment model of the church will only raise up solo artists. And we have to break it. And we have to understand that it's, it should not be ingrained in us. Are you with me this morning? And we have, to, we have to allow the Holy Spirit to call us into that place of becoming a harmonious symphony for his glory. Our identity, if it's just tied to our gifts, we will never fit in a healthy family or community. How many know the scripture says your gifts will make room for you? Do you believe that? And do you believe that if we identify with our gifts and our abilities, that, you know, you know what will happen is there could be time in the future where if you find your significance in that, then you will end up worshiping your gift or uh, lifting up or exalting your gift and ability above your actual relationship with the Lord. Now, it's so subtle, but sometimes it even creeps in worship. And it's, it's a form of existentialism, really, but we worship worship. Hello? If you don't know what I'm talking about, well, it's simple as, oh, wasn't worship good? Well, yeah, was it good for you or good for the Father? It's so quiet in here. It's quiet in this Presbyterian church right now. (laughs) Nehemiah chapter 9 says that God is exalted above all blessing and praise. God is exalted above praise itself. And And I believe that we have to get rid of this under, we have to find our significance. God is calling us into a family. When we get born again, he calls us into a family. He says, you're my son. You're my daughter. You're branded with the DNA of heaven. He says, you're unique. There's nobody like you out of six and a half billion people on the planet. And I have every hair of your head numbered. Some of you, it's really easy. One, two, but the others of you, it's harder, but God can do it. He's so, you know, infinite in knowledge. But he says, you are so valuable and significant. You know, there's antique shows, antique, what's the name of that show? The Antique Road Show. And my wife doesn't watch it, but she would. Um, But she doesn't because we don't watch, we don't have TV. So, you know, the the show is interesting because I I was was, uh, hearing a little bit about it. And what's interesting to me is how they determine value. And when they find something that has value, there's two things that they consider. And I want to just encourage you with this. One thing is, is how rare it is. If it is unlike anything else, then it has value. How many know that you, your DNA is not like anyone else's DNA on the planet. You are uniquely created and you have your own fingerprint, your own DNA. The other thing that determines value is how much someone is willing to pay for it. Do you know the price that was paid for you? Do you know that the blood that was shed for you, that Jesus died for you, and that was a huge price. That's pretty significant, wouldn't you think? And that's where identification comes from is the fact that I'm loved. And that's the song of the bride, the song, this symphony that God is calling us to sing together is a song that we are, we're now a family And we're not trying to vie for position to the front to be the one that has the answers and to be the one. This is so important with the restoration of the fivefold ministry in the church today. Because we become releasers and not retainers. Hello? In many different ways. Not only in raising people up in leadership, but also we we release and we're not harboring things and we're not we're releasers and we're not retainers. And this is what God is doing in the earth, and we've got to grab a hold of it. And I'm excited that we are called to release 
an agreement sound with the earth that groans and travails for the manifestation of the sons of God. I wrote a couple things down here I want to share with you. The reason that I'm gifted is because I'm loved. And it's not, I know I'm loved because I have gifts. But almost everything that we do in life, whether we're growing up in school and it's, it's based upon what I, my ability and my gifting, and it makes me more significant. It's actually the complete opposite of the kingdom. Because Jesus came for the little ones. Jesus came for the hurting. Jesus came for the rejected. Jesus came for those that no one else really wanted to love. And he told parables of the, the pearl of great price. And he told parables of the treasure in the field. He told parables of the one that was lost that he'll leave the 99. Because this is the heartbeat of God that we, we, we cannot identify with just what we have and our ability and giftings, but we have to identify the fact that we are loved. And I am gifted because I'm loved. I am not loved or significant because I have gifts. I mean, unfortunately, it's sad. We've got to unlearn the way we parent. You know, like our kids don't get great grades and they're, you know, and, and oh, come on. And, you know, I want them to play football. They're going to play football, son. You know, you see them like, remember the Titans and these dads just forcing their sons to do something. That, what if they don't want to do that? What if that's something they're not created to do? Hello? And we cultivate our children. And that's the way God never, he doesn't even force us to do anything. But he cultivates our hearts. And God is looking for a, a bride, a church that will learn this so that we're family and we're not corporation. The current model of entertainment church will only raise up solo artists. You've got to hear my heart. I don't want to ever become that. I was telling my wife during worship, I said, I don't ever want to lose the family spirit that is in our church as we continue to grow. I don't ever want to lose that. And immediately the Holy Spirit says, just don't ever lose my spirit. Because he is family, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And if we don't have a family spirit, then we might be Ichabod. The glory has departed. But it starts in the family. It starts in this, there's this agreement. The word agreement in the Greek is where we get the word symphony. There's a symphony. God is wanting to orchestrate a symphony through his bride, a symphony through his body, so that we can declare the praises of God. One of the things that the Lord is going to raise us up to do is sing a new song. Say new song. Now, we love that, and, and most of us know, oh, sing a new song to the Lord, and we sing a new song to the Lord. And that's part of it. It's the song of the Lord. But I want to talk to you this morning about what this new song is. This new song is an inclusive song. This new song is not exclusive. Unfortunately, the church has to unlearn the exclusivity of the way that we preach to sinners, the way that we love on sinners, Many times we'll condescend them because they're not saved when we should actually lift them up a little bit higher than ourselves. We should actually come under them if they're hurting, if they're broken, if they're in the midst of bondage and sin. We should actually come under them and say, you have no idea how much Papa loves you and I want to serve you and I want to, sh- I want to introduce you to his love. It's a new song, church. It's a new sound. The earth is, is groaning and longing for the manifestation of the sons of God. Romans chapter 8. I want you to turn to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4, I want to read a couple of verses to you. Acts 4, verses 23 and 24. In this portion of, of Acts, the name of Jesus was forbidden. The church is exploding. The church is in community. God is moving in the earth. 
and, and they were freaking out because there was such a strong movement going on. And they said, you can't preach the name of Jesus anymore. So what do they do? They have a meeting and talk about how they need to elect the right politician. Oh, no, that's not what they did. Oh, they had a meeting and started complaining about the government. No, they prayed. Amen, church? I think God is looking for the bride to start singing a new song. It's a song of love and honor and prayers for those that are in authority. And not sitting here thinking if we just had someone new in the White House, then our problems would go away. That's like saying amen on Sunday and living like hell the rest of the week and thinking your life's going to be in order. Hello? Well, I vote every four years for the right person. No, you need to understand it begins, the revolution begins in the heart of man and in family and in marriages and with the children and with the church community. It is not this exterior synagogue form of institution trying to teach us and, and, and basically legislate morality. It does not work, church. Now, we need a moral compass. God institutes the nation and he institutes law. How many know that there's good laws? Speed limit is good. Can you imagine if, you know, 215 was like the Autobahn? There'd be tons of accidents. So next time you get pulled over, just pay the ticket. But I believe that God is wanting the bride of Christ to awaken to this new song. It is a song that doesn't stop and start complaining about we're in a dark hour. We know that there's stuff going on. We know that the economy's bad and all that. But how many know that we are blessed in this nation? How many know that we need to arise like the, the church of Acts said, oh, they forbid the name of Jesus, but guess what? I'm, I'm coming to a place of prayer now. And I'm ready, I'm ready to pray. And I want to read this portion of scripture to you because what is about what you're going to see here is that the earth harmonizes with the song and the declaration of the church. Look at this, Acts 23 and 24. And being let go, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. So when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with what? One accord and said, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them. Isaiah 42.10 says, Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing his praises from the ends of the earth. Sing all you who sail the seas, all you who live in distant Coastlands. It's a song of mature love. It's the song of a mature bride. I love what we were singing. You're not broken anymore. You're not broken anymore. I'm not broken anymore. You know, that Revelation 22 talks about the spirit and the bride say, come. How many know the Lord? We, we sing, you know, come Lord Jesus. Do you believe that? Do you believe that we're, we're just, we're longing for, for Jesus to, we're longing for his kingdom to come, right? Not just the return because we want to get out of here, but we're longing, we're longing for the reign of the Messiah. But there's another part of that in the book of Revelation, the spirit and the bride say, come. It was actually an evangelistic plea to the prostitutes and the sorcerers. And there's something about this heartbeat of God that you see in worship, the spirit and the, when my heart is aligned and I'm singing this new song, true worship will always, always end in pure evangelism. Now jump down to verse 31. Look what happened. The earth began to harmonize with this new song. It says they lifted their voices with one accord. Look at verse 31. It's interesting to me that there's a parallel with Isaiah 42, 10. They're, they're saying, you made everything. And Lord, you are God in heaven and earth and all that is in them. Now look at verse 31. It says, when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken 
And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. We cannot let our worship and intimacy of the past determine our worship and intimacy of where God wants to take us. Because there's a pure worship. He's wanting to free his bride from past hurts. He's wanting to free his bride from the way it was and the way it's been into a place where we're singing a new song. Here's what I believe with the restoration of the tabernacle of David. Read uh, Amos 9 and read uh, Acts 15 when you get a chance because it's talking about worship so that the world will believe. Because pure worship will always result in evangelism. And I'm telling you, I want to just encourage you, saints, that the earth is not travailing and groaning for some new president. The earth is not longing for a new politician to arise or some new revolutionary. It is longing for the manifestation of the sons of God. Because we're called to fill the earth with his glory. And this is how it happens. But there is this this beautiful thing of us understanding that we're called to a symphony and we're called to release a new song. And I believe that worship in this hour, as we are participating in, will continue to get stronger and stronger and stronger. It will be to a place where we're worshiping and we come into worship service. It will be hard to stand in the room on a normal basis. We're going to begin to see and continue to see songs birth and creativity. You're going to see Christian, what we call Christian artists, but the sound of heaven be released through worshipers and psalmists that will far surpass what the world is doing in creativity and music. And I'm telling you, it's a new sound and it's a new song, but this song is inclusive. It's not exclusive. It's not this, this, you know, uh, way out there, you know, song where, oh, only you can, uh, you know, you have to go through our program of discipleship before you can actually worship the way we do. But it'll be a song where anybody can come. It'll be just like the tabernacle of David where the rules were literally broken. Well, you can't break the rules. Listen, there are no rules anymore. Hello? We're not under the law. And I don't mean that we live however we want. I'm saying that God, his heartbeat is beating for the humanity. And we need to stop singing the song of exclusivity and begin to sing the song of come. The doors are open and listen, the flood is coming, but it's not judgment. It's his glory. So get on the ark with us. Come into the refuge. Come into the family of God. It's a call and a plea from the heart of the church saying, come. The spirit and the bride say, come. In Acts chapter 16, verse 25 and 27, we see it again. They were beaten. Paul and Silas were beaten. Paul was preaching the gospel and there was a woman possessed with the spirit of divination. And she she was prophesying basically, but not from the spirit of God. She was saying, these are servants of the most high God, talking about Paul. These are servants of the most high God to proclaim to us the way of salvation. How many know that that was what they really were? But it was truth, but it was not what God was saying. And she was a distraction and she was releasing a counterfeit sound. It sounded true, but it wasn't the real deal. And then Paul was annoyed. And I I told first service, I love that because now I can be annoyed. It's in the Bible. I can be annoyed sometimes. (laughs) I know you all get annoyed sometimes. But there's something about this righteous, divine thing that just comes up on the inside of me. And all these things that are distractions, just to say, no, no more, no more. Let's release the sound of heaven. I want the new song. No more of this. And Paul turned and, and he rebuked the demon that was influencing her. 
And the, now the town was mad because that was like an economic thing for them. They, it brought in money, you know? And, and so they beat them. Paul and Silas were beaten for doing what they did. And they were imprisoned. And here's what it says in Acts 16, 25 through 27. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. I want to stop for a moment. Just say law on that for a moment. If we were beaten because we're preaching the gospel, would, would that be the first thing? I'd be like, I need my one phone call. I'm calling my wife. You need to bail me out of this place. I'd be like, you can't try. I know my rights. You, look what you did to my leg, you know. But they stopped in the midst of their darkest hour, church. Why is it that the church sometimes this is so pansy and we're in an economic crisis and we're just complaining with the rest of the world instead of rising up and releasing a new song that God is about to do something in the earth. And it doesn't matter about the economic stability, climate, all that stuff. I'm telling you what, listen, the church will rise in prosperity like never before. Greater than the restoration through the word of faith movement where we, we got a little greedy. Okay, we got a little stingy. Come on, somebody. And how many there's a balance? But listen, capitalism is good. But coupled with greed, it's evil. Just like freedom can be good unless you use it to do whatever you want to do. Listen, hear me, saints. There's a sound that God is wanting to release through the church. And it's, it's a beautiful sound that the prisoners will hear. But we need to, in the darkest hour, in our darkest hour, let us be strong in the Lord. Last week we talked about God restoring strength to our song. He's doing it in my life. I, I, I believe the enemy is trying to silence your personal song, and he's trying to silence the song of the bride by trying to exclude people. Listen, you may feel like a big toe, but you are so significant to the body of Christ. Your very worship, when you come into this place, you participate with heaven as we sing with the angels of God and God's manifest presence in this place. You are part of that living stone fit together so God can fill His church with latter glory. Well, this I'm not familiar with this. Well, get familiar with it because it's what God's doing in the earth right now. God is wanting to fill us with glory. Why? So the earth says, that's the real deal right there. How can they love like that? How, why are their marriages so strong? How come their children are so well behaved? Now, my children are not perfect, but when someone gives us that compliment, I give glory to God. Your children are so good. I'm like, you want to watch them for me? <laughs> no, I, my kids are good. But when they say that, glory to God. Why? Because we're a representation of heaven on earth in the family. God is wanting to release a new sound. It's a new song. Say it with me. Say a new song. It's inclusive. It's embracing. It's not exclusive. It's not reclusive. It's pure worship. It, It leads to an explosion of the love of God. And we cannot let our worship of the past determine the way we worship now. Here's how I feel about worship. When I'm worshiping on the front row, my sons in the Lord, I tell them, I want you up next to me worshiping. I want you right here. I want to include them. I want to, I want to open the doors and say, you hear the sound of heaven? Who was here Friday night for a night of worship? Raise your hand. Wasn't it awesome? There was a lady walking by. Pastor Shane and I were out front. And there's a lady walking by, and we had just started, and she heard it. She's like, oh, is that live music? Cool, man. She was like, you know this lady, like, listen to classic rock and stuff, and she said that um, Chris reminded her of Van Halen. I was, thought that was weird. 
No, she didn't say that. I'm kidding with you. <laughs> no resemblance whatsoever at all. She said, uh, no, never mind. So she comes in, and dude, she comes in, and how, didn't she say that? She walks out, she's like, man, I got touched. What are you guys doing here? I came in here, and man, and she's just talking about the sound we're releasing. I remember doing an outreach in Lakewood Cove Apartments. We're going to be doing a bus pickup over there soon. Probably when we move into a new building, which we'll talk about real soon because something is happening, folks. Turnkey, there's been some prophetic words. Even Wendell prophesied turnkey. And I'm I'm telling you, it's exciting. We're doing an outreach in Lakewood Cove, and this lady comes up with her family. She's like, I heard a sound, and it was distinct. And I was like, what is that sound? And we were worshiping with the children. And their hearts, they received the Lord. You know, God just encountering people, encountering the love of God. Why? Because the bride's releasing a sound. So it says, at midnight, they began to sing, and the prisoners were listening. Suddenly, there was a great earthquake. So at the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's chains were loose. Listen, I'm prophesying right now. We've seen deliverance come to people. We've seen drug addicts, many in this room, have been set free from drugs, from addictions, from pornography, from all types of stuff. And then we've seen the struggle. I'm telling you that prison doors not only are going to open, but the foundations of the prisons will be shaken. We will begin to see people literally cold turkey lay their their syringes on the altar. We're going to see people cold turkey say, I am done with pornography and rip it up. I'm done being a pimp. I'm done being a prostitute. We're going to see such freedom take place because the bride is releasing a song of love and acceptance and significance to the broken and the hurting. And not this exclusive, well, if you'd like to join the church, we can take you through the membership class and we can disciple you. I believe in all that. I, I, I totally believe in it. You know, one, that one story blew me away. Jesus delivers a man of a legion of demons. A legion was a lot. It was more than a thousand. Six thousand plus. Look it up. Delivers a man, the demon of Gadaria. I love my mother-in-law. She's not here this morning. She's out of town. We'll be ministering and someone has a demon. Ah, the demon of Gadaria over there. She says, I love that. (laughs) It's so funny because she sees a demon on him and, you know, well, go get rid of that demon. And she'll, she'll do it like a pit bull. She'll be like, and go get rid of that thing. But Jesus sets this guy free. And then he says, I want to follow you, Jesus. You know what the church would do today? Oh, yep. You got delivered of all kinds of demons. You need discipleship more than anyone else. Jesus says, just go tell your family what the Lord has done for you. Go release the song of your testimony. So simple. What's your song? Because we know your song and your testimony, you find your place in the symphony of heaven in the local church. I thought that was really good. If I was Rochelle, I would have been like, amen, honey. By the way, you look handsome. If I was Rochelle, that's what I would say. Last week, she texts me. What did you text me? Like, you're so handsome. It was so distracting because I wanted to put this down and come kiss you. But I didn't. I waited till after church in the car. All the young people, close your ears. Suddenly, there was a great earthquake. There was a harmony in the earth. I'm going to be closing in a moment. The foundations of the prison were shaken. We're going to start seeing that stuff. How many, how many have had it in your heart 
You're like, I want to start seeing that. How many have had it in your heart? Where you've seen the struggle and you know your own testimony. Some of you, I, I know some of you have been set free like that. And I know some people that struggle, but I'm telling you the foundations of the prisons are going to be shaken. We're going to see freedom and it's going to come in a proclamation, a releasing of a prophetic sound. Freedom! Bam! Chains come off just like that. Just like that. And you know why it's going to be so easy? So no program gets the glory. And so some minutes, well, our discipleship program is really works and, you know. Well, how about let's let God do it? I believe in that stuff. Listen, hear me. You got to understand my heart. I, I'm, I'm, we're actually working on that. But we're going to start seeing stuff take place where it, it's just, it's reality. Like God literally just sets the captives free. I'm going to keep reading and we're going to close. And the innkeeper, it says he awake from sleep. Why? Because the sound of the harmony of the, the earth groaning for the manifestation of the sons of God. Are you getting this? And the sound of their worship and their prayer. I'm telling you, there's a sound of prayer and worship arising, even in the city. Mike Lighty, the worship pastor of uh, ICLV, um, is partnering with other worship leaders and ourself. And, and uh, you know, I've been telling him, like, lead this thing. You know, lead it, man. He's been here a long time. And um, we're getting worship leaders together. A couple weeks ago, we were gathering on a Friday night. Where's Chris at? Is he in the back? Is he? We're gathering and we're worshiping. Brooke was there. Some of you guys were there. And it's worship leaders from all over the city. And Mike begins to do a couple songs on the guitar. And the manifest presence of God just, I mean, we're just like, whoa, man, God is on this. Because it's a, it's a symphony. It's a united song. It's a song where there's no agenda. We're, we're worshiping. Our eyes are on you, God. And I remember Chris, remember Chris, when we were worshiping on that Friday night, Chris was like, man, he just started playing. It was like, I mean, we could have just kept going. It was powerful. God marked it with his presence. The earth is, is wanting to harmonize with this sound. It says that Paul led that man to the Lord. He was going to kill himself. And Paul says, you don't need to do that. Him and his family get saved. There, see, there's a connection with worship and family all throughout this. Thirdly, what we're called to release, and I'll be letting you go shortly, the song of healing and wholeness. I want to share a testimony with you. Um, first, I want to tell my own heart, share my own heart about my wife. I asked my wife permission and when we first got married, um, we got married almost 13 years ago, right? 12 and a half years ago. And uh, man, it feels like an eternity though. Ugh. No, I'm just, husbands, that's what you're not supposed to say. <laughs> it's been the most amazing decade of my life. We're sitting here praying for our kids and I just, I'm like, we have the most beautiful children. They're way better than all your kids. I'm just telling you. I'm just kidding. Every parent thinks that about their kids. God thinks that about you too. You're his favorite. But I'm sitting here thinking about our family. I'm like, God, you're so good. God, you're so good. That was not a Jesus juke. God, you're so good. I mean, I think about my kids. I love my children so much. But I was thinking about, you know, what, what we went through as God, you know, makes us one in spirit. And, and my wife, when we first got married, she had a lot of heart wounds and a lot of orphan wounds and brokenness from past hurts. And she didn't understand the love of a husband or a father. And it was hard for her to love me because it was hard for her to receive my love. And there were some times where we're like, man, and I, and I had to say, you know what? I'm fighting for my bride. And I didn't know what I was dealing with. I mean, I'm like, you know, I've never been married before. I'm young. And God's teaching me how to love unconditionally. I mean, it's, I wish that I had the opportunity to receive some of the marriage stuff. Like we just, 
went through Jimmy Evans' simulcast. Amazing material. Those of you, um, get a hold of that stuff. If you're going to get married or if you're just recently married or if you've been married 20 years and you're on the rocks, you need to see the marriage on the rock, right? Because uh, if your marriage is on the rock, you need to get on the rock. That's a Jesus joke. So my wife and I are married now, and, and I had to fight for her. And she wasn't whole. She wasn't one. And I'm telling you that it's in the heart of Jesus to see his bride whole. It's in the heart of God to see his bride one. Denominational walls come down. It is in the prayer of Jesus, the one that we have recorded in the New Testament, where he actually prayed for us in this room. John 17, 21, he said, I pray that they would be one. Why? So the world may believe. There's this focus again. If, if we're one and if we're singing a, a symphony, this, this harmonious sound to God, and then we're singing this new sound, then it'll bring wholeness to people around us. And I just feel like it's God's heartbeat um, as a representation of that. There's a, a young girl that she's not, she was she in her 20s, that she got healed uh, about three months ago. Some of you heard the story, but there's a young girl, she has uh, arthritis and did not go a day without pain for four years. And, uh, and, and so she's worshiping and she's worshiping the Lord. And all of a sudden, something gets ripped out of her back. She literally physically felt is because it was a spirit of infirmity. It was a spirit of infirmity. It wasn't just an ailment because of something maybe she was, you know, doing or whatever. It was a spirit that attached to her life. And it literally, it had to come out in the presence of the Lord. It had no other option. But we're singing the song of the bride, the harmony of worship. And this girl gets healed. Immediately, pain leaves. She goes, now, now to this day, she's healed of arthritis. And she would, she would go not one day without medication or pain. Now, this girl is, is just, I, you know, even, even her testimony in her life, and we just, my wife has really just embraced her and loved her. Um, but I, I was thinking about the Samaritan woman. How many remember when we did the, the interview about the Samaritan woman? Raise your hand if you remember that. Here's what I believe, that the song of wholeness that God wants us to release right now on the earth is going to break the spirit of rejection over the bride of Christ, over us individually and over the bride of Christ. And, he, and I'll close with this. Many of you know the story of the Samaritan woman, and uh, many of us read it, and we see the story of the woman where Jesus kind of reads her mail, and, and, uh, and she's at the well, which was a place where uh, in, in that day they would actually find husbands. Women would go there and hope, hope that a man would choose her. And by the way, that's how it works. That's how it's supposed to work. So ladies, if you're looking, stop looking. Wait for a man to choose you. Amen. He who finds a wife, finds a good thing. And so she would go to the well and work. And, and you know, the scripture, a lot of times I heard it taught, and they taught as she's like this adulterous woman. And the scripture doesn't say that. And culturally, and, and she could have been, I don't know, but I don't believe that she was. I think because culturally Samaritans would actually, um, very similar to the way Jews, if you were to commit adultery as a woman, you would be stoned. Now, men back then, it was totally different. They could divorce for almost any reason. I don't like the way you made my sandwich. I want a new wife. I mean, it, it, was, it was really bad culturally if you study it. So this Samaritan woman, Jesus said, you have five husbands and the one you're with now is not your husband. Now, the language in the Greek, the one you're with now is not your husband, in, in many ways can be translated. The one that you are engaged to has not yet 
tied the knot in contemporary language, of course. The one that you're connected to, the one that has put a ring on your finger has not set a date yet. Now, here's why I'm saying this, because I see the Samaritan woman as this woman who is not this prostitute. And I believe it's a picture of the bride. We've got to get new eyes for the bride of Christ. We have to see her whole. We have to see her not as a harlot, even though sometimes we play the harlot, but we have to see the heart of faithful daddy pursuing and the the bridegroom pursuing us as a lost bride. Every time I watch a chick flick, that's what I think of. I think I like chick flicks now. It's a confession I'd like to make. We were watching chick flick the other night and Nilaris and I were trying to act cool like we weren't watching it. Did you cry? Laris, don't lie. Just a little bit. We're texting and I'm like, hey, bro, what's up? Yeah, I'm like acting like we're making fun of him. But really, we're crying and just like, <laughs> yeah, my eyes are watering. But there's something called the chick flick smirk that's funny. And I noticed it a couple months ago. My wife's watching some chick flick and she has like this smile. <laughs> I love love. She's <laughs> smiling. I love it. And she had a couple friends over, and they all had the smirk. Oh, didn't they, Laris? They all had it. But every time I watch a romance, I think about God and his bride. I just I think about Jesus and the bride. And the Samaritan woman, I believe, was not necessarily this adulterous woman that Jesus read her mail. But she was a rejected woman, been chosen six times. And then Jesus comes along and to her, and she, the Messiah is to her people to actually the ones that were half-breeds, the ones that of that day, that's, they were like half-Jewish, half-Samaritan, and they were kind of like outcasts. What a picture of us releasing a song of in, just being inclusive. Oh, we're just embracing you. And so I want to pray right now. I want you to close your eyes, and we're going we're gonna to close. I want to pray against the spirit of rejection. Also, I want to pray that God would open our eyes to see the bride of Christ the way she really is. God looks at her with such beauty. And I want, us, I want us to just pray right now. If there's anyone in this room, saints, I want to ask you to pray, if you would. Just those description from the past has gripped your heart. Loneliness or depression. I really felt this during worship too. Like God, when we're singing, dance with me, that God was bringing you into a divine romance so that your heart could be healed. And sometimes because of our our failed intimacies of the past in many ways will hinder us from our intimacy with the Lord. But God is breaking the spirit of rejection. And whether you're a man or a woman, you know, this story to me, the Samaritan woman is like Cinderella. Jesus walks up and he says, I've got a shoe that will fit your foot. He says, I can make you whole. And, and I believe that the Lord right now, some of you even, I really feel this, that there's some of you that maybe had, uh, maybe there was a divorce or, or maybe you lost a loved one or there's some past broken relationships and the Lord wants to heal you of what you, f- you feel like you've been rejected. And he wants you to hear his voice say, I accept you. I choose you. You're my beloved. And he's calling you into intimacy. And there's healing taking place right now. So would you do, if, if that's you, I just simply just want you to receive his love. You don't have to raise your hand. You don't have to do anything. Just say, I receive your love, Jesus.